record on them now. That's Yay. us, ladies. We're Brilliant. all good to go. go. Great. Hello, everyone. It's another Thursday night, um, and we're back again for a chat. But this Thursday, we've got a bit of a twist. We've got the lovely Lauren Windsor here with us. Um, <laughs> and it's Ngum and Sidoni and Giselle, your, your, your normal trio. Um, but we're really excited to have Lauren um, with us. And just to start off by saying, actually, on record, Lauren has made a donation to the ministry. So thank you, Lauren, very much thank for you. that. Um, it's much appreciated. It would go oh, thank you, Lauren. very, very far in the work that we, we do in trying to put Christ out there. So thank you. Um, yes, let's just find out a little bit more about you. Just um, tell us where you're from, um, sort of where you grew up, just a little bit of background about you, just so we can, we can get to know, get a sense of who you are. Yeah, so I'm Lauren, I'm an author and a journalist and a public speaker and a presenter and I wow. grew up in South London, um, so like Battersea, Clapham area, South, South, yeah. <laughs> South <laughs> London <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm still here South a little bit. I like mm. lived in Brighton for a few years and I lived in France as well for a few years but I'm I feel like I'm always going to come back to South London. <laughs> so that's me. Oh, brilliant. Okay. So you're a South girl, yeah? All right, good. She's on Battersea. Have you seen Battersea these days? Battersea is posh. Battersea has changed. Battersea has changed. When I was a kid, we couldn't put a Christmas wreath on the door because someone would nick it. And now... <laughs> People's Christmas wreaths cost like a hundred pounds. Yeah, it's and they're still there. And they're still there. They're still there. <laughs> it's very off market these days. Mm. <laughs> yeah, they have a new mall and everything. It's, it's like really... I've yeah. not been to the mall, but I've heard it's really good. It's oh, very really? different. You know what my introduction to Battersea was? You guys are gonna laugh. It was so solid, crew guys. <laughs> I live just down the road from Mega Man used to live just at the bottom of my road. I love so Solly Cruz. Finally, we have people from South London. Oh my oh, goodness, ladies. Okay, she's from Battersea. I already have a question for her. You already have a I already have a question for you, Lauren. Okay. okay. I'm I'm ready. Bring me the question. Oh wait! You ready? Okay. Okay. I'm on the street. Somebody time this, Lauren. You got 21 seconds to convince me to be a Christian. Go. <gasps> oh my gosh! 21 <laughs> seconds. Ta, ta, ta. Okay. You should be a Christian because. Are we actually going to time it? Yeah. Go on. Okay. Go ahead. You should be a Christian because I feel like don't even worry about the next life. Okay, because that. That's fine, right? But if you are a Christian now, I really believe that God can do amazing things and fulfill you in this life. And then you get the next life as well, kind of thrown in. So like, even though God's not going to take away the painful moments, just to know that he's going to be there walking with you through it is a comfort that... Romeo, done. <laughs> this should be a challenge, honestly. It will be so fun. <laughs> <laughs> like, why have you said not to think about the next life? Like we're supposed to focus on the next life. I was like, I don't know if that's perfect. 
Yeah, but you know, yes. the next life is too far away. It needs to be real, something they can see. But thank uh, you very much for that. We're that expecting is, it. That's so good. Thank you, Laura, for taking was, part. That is really good. That's brilliant. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Just um, yeah. But then, thank you. That was actually off the cuff. That was brilliant. We should do that to all our guests, actually. Yeah. Oh, nice um, one. Mm. But yeah, um, no, Lauren, thank you, South South girl. Um, so were you a Christian? Have you always been a Christian? Um, sort of, did you grow up in a Christian household? And mm. what's your faith journey been like? It's been turbulent, but I feel like. I feel like a lot of people relate to this. So my my mum's Christian and uh-huh. she like christened me in a Anglican church. But then we moved to a Baptist church that was uh-huh. um, that just felt a bit more like home for us. Uh-huh. But I didn't really like church. I didn't get on very well with it. And when I got to about 13, uh-huh. my mum kind of gave me the option. Do you want to keep going to church or do you want to stay home? Because I was old enough to like you know, stay home without my parents and stuff. And I chose to stay home. And from that moment, I really stepped back from faith. And I know a lot of people who are raised in Christian families and a lot of parents are worried about this for their kids as well. Mm. You can lay the groundwork, but when it's their choice, what choice Mm. are they going to make? For me, I chose to step back. And then it was 12 years later when I was 25. Mm that I came back again. And I think that through those 12 years, if you'd asked me, are you Christian? I would have said like, I believed in Jesus. I believed in God, Mm. but I wasn't practicing. I wasn't reading the Bible. I wasn't praying. I wasn't living in a way that was engaging with God in any way. Mm. Um, And I'm really grateful that I did come back and Mm -hmm. changed for the better since I have. Mm -hmm. Uh, So just... Yeah, just to, that's interesting because you're right. A lot of, a lot, and, and this is typical of a lot of young people who grow up in structured religion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a testimony I hear a lot, really, from Church of England, Roman Catholics. Um, so, people yeah. who grow up in, in structured religion, what do you think, just from your experience, what made you say, This is not for me? I want, you know, I want to be out there. Was it something about, the way I mean what about church put you off at 13 I feel like church was super welcoming for me and and I'm sure lots of other people felt the same Mm -hmm. way I was so around the age of 13 that's when I started like drinking I started smoking and that to me now as an adult that sounds really young but that was the age when those Mm. things started to be around me and Mm -hmm. that's kind of when when I was making those choices and and now that seems mad and I look at a 13 year old and I'm like there's no way you're old enough to be making choices like that that was that was it so around the time that my I was given that choice do you want to pursue faith it was about the same time that I was introduced to a lot of other things Mm -hmm. like like worldly things Mm. I was aware that I wanted to explore those things and I wanted Mm -hmm. to, and I wanted to smoke and I wanted to, you know, go off with boys and whatever. Mm -hmm. It just felt unwelcome in the church if I was going to make those decisions. Okay. Like a bit judged. I felt like I wasn't good enough that, Mm -hmm. yeah, that I actually didn't have a place in the church. I thought that it was either, you know, parties and all of the stuff that came with it or, Mm -hmm. And I didn't think that you could still go to church and still do those things. So that's kind of why I made that choice. 
Okay, that's interesting because I know that we have, you know, a lot of um, people in leadership that sort of listen in on our conversation. So it's kind of a good reflection point for them, really, just to think about perhaps, like you said, when kids get to to that age where they're faced with these choices, how can they still make church a place where they feel welcome rather than a place where... It's, yeah, it's really hard, you know, because you don't want to say to someone, it's okay, go and do what you like. Um, but also you do want people to know that if yeah. you make the choices that aren't consistent with the choices we would like you to make, you're still really welcome here. Yeah. You know, like God still loves you and, you know, it's, it's still, still a place for you here. Yeah, still wants relationship mm. and connection with you. And actually, like, I think particularly with young people, we're so focused on, are you getting drunk? Are you taking drugs? Are you having sex? Mm. If you're not doing any of those three mm-hmm. things, we're like, okay, you're winning. You're a good Christian. <laughs> actually, like, what you're a good child, party? full stop. Yeah, like, what about gossip? What about pride? What about a million other things that, that you could yeah. be doing, you know, mm. that aren't exactly with the love of God you know but we put so much stock in in like those three things seem to be like our checkbox but Mm -hmm. way more holistic way of welcoming and working with young people I think Mm -hmm. no that's definitely very very interesting and I think it's something that you know um certainly our members who are in leadership in churches will appreciate that kind of feedback because there's always that thing of how do you keep the young people in Mm. without sort of you know compromising on the values of christianity and some of these you know some of these points are helpful um and okay so thanks for sharing that but sort of moving on along in your journey so you're you've obviously decided you want to be with the cool kids um you shut the door (laughs) (laughs) you shut the door on on the church and, and you've gone out there but you said even through that time you would still have identified as a jesus believer you would yeah. still have said that you believed in Jesus. Now, do you think that's part of because you were brought up in the church? Yeah, I think the idea that there was something greater than me never left me, even when I stopped going to church. I definitely s- still felt that the idea of a world with no higher power, with no spirituality, mm. you know, with nothing, mm. to me felt a bit like a bit like it just it didn't it didn't fit you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think for me it wasn't going to be a case of when I was making choices it wasn't going to be a case of do I believe in something more or not it was what kind of something more do I believe okay, in? Yeah. okay. That's, that's the the place I was coming at it from okay and it's interesting again it's interesting because I think a lot of um Christian youth that fall away or backslide are in that camp they believe um certainly believe in God but they don't have that relationship they don't have that day-to-day relationship with him so it's interesting that you sort of highlighted that because again I think that's something us as the body of Christ can perhaps learn from and and learn to do better um and just you know saying to children it's it's not an either-or situation God loves you as you are sin Mm. is not welcome but the power and the grace that we have through the Holy Spirit can help you overcome those yeah. sinful desires that you have. Um, and again, you know, we say this over and over again on this on this podcast and these are our, our chats. It's 
that stratification of sin you know like you say you know those four things some parents are thinking okay you haven't done those things but you know so we're winning but really you're committing other sin and you really are a sinner so you need to repent whether or not you're drinking or, or or having underage sex or sex outside of marriage or you're taking drugs you know it's just as bad as gossiping and and, and telling lies and you know coveting your neighbor's property and, and all that stuff so that's definitely interesting but I think what you've also said there that should be a consolation for parents is the fact that if you train a child in the way it should go even when the child is grown it will not depart from it and I think parents should and can take comfort in that because even though you left the church you still had that foundation as it were yeah, and, yes. and that springboard for you to return to. Um, and, you know, I'm sure your parents were praying for you. Certainly your mother was um, praying for you throughout that time. And yeah. um, so, yes, parents, don't underestimate, um, you know, the power of a good, solid foundation, exposing your children to, you know, church, no matter how young they are, as we can tell from Lauren's testimony, mm. it would hold them stead and it gives them something to mm. come back to, an anchor, really. To come back to um, when they're out there in the world and they feel lost like there's nowhere to go to so parents please take comfort in that and also don't stop praying for your kids because I'm sure Lauren's mom was praying for her mm-hmm. um, and it might not have been as immediate as her mom perhaps wanted but 12 years later God answered those prayers and yes. Lauren came yes. back to the faith mm-hmm. so that's a real real encouraging powerful testimony um, but Lauren your work on addiction is phenomenal like I've listened to your TED talk I have been on your website it is inspiring and it is phenomenal um let's start with the how how did you get into into drugs because I think yours was drugs and alcohol wasn't it yes yes Yeah. so in those in those 12 years um the drinking really took off Mm. and um, it's really easy I think I do think that lifestyles are changing a little bit for young people at the moment because there's far more of an uh, an emphasis on looking good mm-hmm. and you know if you get drunk and throw up and then somebody puts that on the internet that's there forever and no one had camera phones when I was doing this which <laughs> is, is just the biggest gift from the Lord ever ever have thank goodness mm. but like it, it particularly when I was young you know if you get if you get drunk everyone gets drunk if you throw up, mm. everyone throws up from now from time to time. Everyone mm. was drinking really heavily. So no one really noticed that I was drinking differently. And then I got to university and at university, it's like people think you're crazy if you don't drink. It's so encouraged to drink. Like every social activity is around alcohol. It's mm. this sells yeah. 50p shots or this is the cheapest place to buy beer. You know, come and do this, come and do that. So I carried on drinking in a really unhealthy alcoholic way. Mm. One would have known because on the outside, it looked very similar to what a lot of other people were doing. So no one would have known to check in on me or ask if I was okay because you're just a student. And that's mm-hmm. what you but actually I found that I had a lot of social anxiety I always felt unpopular I could walk into a room of my closest friends and I'd be looking for ways to feel on the outside nice. so as soon as I had 
a drink it's not like that went but I didn't have to think about it so much it kind of just put a film over it so I could just get on with it and and kind of be distracted from this feeling of inadequacy that Mm. I always felt so alcohol wasn't really the problem it was my solution it was my answer to my problem um and then a couple of years later so I left university and I was in a long-term relationship that ended and I kind of felt like okay I've lost my whole framework here like the man I was living my life for you know and I was living with him and I, I you know just saw myself as being his you know girlfriend or wife and that was it and then I lost, like, you know, I finished university. So I lost the house I was living in with my mm. girlfriends, lost the sort of structure of that. And I just, I was just started spinning out and I was drinking really heavily mm. and I got a job in hospitality. So I was running events yeah. and that's really like, well, I hard. Mm. And then someone offered me cocaine and it was like, wow, there's nothing else. Well, why not? Why wouldn't I really? It's, you know, I wanted to be a party girl. I wanted to be popular um and that you know that felt like a really good way to do it so I started mm-hmm. cocaine and things really spiraled out of control for me very quickly it was mm-hmm. really quick that I went from a person who was choosing to take drugs to a person mm-hmm. trapped in their yeah. choice um and I felt really desperate and really low and incredibly alone because wow. you know when you when you're taking cocaine it makes it really hard for you to sleep so you can be lying there with your heart pounding just thinking I've got to sleep I've got to sleep and you can't for like hours and hours on end and it builds up and you just hate yourself more and more and things are spinning around in your head and you're just convinced you're never going to do it again and that you're like this is it I am never doing it again but by the time the night comes round, you're like I'll like I can start that tomorrow because tonight I need this Mm, wow wow so at what point did you realize that this was it um was it similar to when you was it around the same time when you came back into into the church or was did you make your mind up and then found your way back into the church I mean what was the sequence of events around that so I knew I was going too far quite early I mean it's quite easy to kid yourself when it comes to alcohol because you know particularly in the UK like you can always find someone who drinks more than you yeah I'm all right because John oh John really you know I only have a couple John has like a couple of books yeah exactly whereas you're you know so but when it comes to taking drugs when it comes to taking cocaine it's really hard to kid yourself that that's okay Mm. you know and then it went from one night a week which maybe I could have convinced myself was normal Mm. in in circles if I'd really tried (coughs) I was using it like four times a week so it was you know it was really clear that I was that I was unwell that I'd gone too far quite quickly I think Mm -hmm. Um, and I so I told my sister and she's like the prodigal one I'm the prodigal she's the one who stayed and got no and like it was always faithful and amazing and I was like look I'm I'm using drugs and I actually I don't know what to do and she moved me into her house and she took me to church and you know I still I still didn't quite get it so um I thought if I got away from London I got away from like my friends who are taking drugs and drug dealers and that I would stop using so that's when I went to France okay Um, went to France because some of the girls that I'd lived with at university who didn't take drugs 
um, lived out there and I thought well I can go and and see what their life is like and get away mm-hmm. from this um, and I really loved it but I, I kept on drinking quite heavily over there yeah. because yeah. like problem wasn't like their wine no <laughs> the problem was me and I took no, me you took your problem with you yeah <laughs> you know I can't escape me mm. so we so I went over there and um and after a while my friends who were there who weren't Christian but they could see that I was spiraling again and they and I and I started to find drugs again over there so they told me I needed to go to a support group mm. so I turned up a support group because I wanted them to leave me alone I was like this is really romantic I don't need to go to a support group but if I turn up here they'll get off my back yeah you know I'll shut them up for a while Mm -hmm. so I went along and I just cried I just cried the whole time and I related so much to what the other people in that group were saying Mm. um I really feel like it's a god thing because usually if you go to a support group for drugs it can tend to be a lot of men. They can mm-hmm. often be like just a little bit older. They could be maybe in their fifties. And yeah. I was a five-year-old girl. And mm-hmm. when I walked into that room, it was like six women in their twenties. Wow. Um, it was just amazing. And they were so kind. Mm. They took me for lunch afterwards. And I said like, do you think I can carry on drinking? Um, and they were like, no, sorry. No. Oh, we think that if you keep... to the van. Yeah, they were they were amazing. They were like, you just got like, I think you've got to step away from all mind altering substances if you want to do this. Mm. So I called my sister and I said, look, I've been to this meeting and they say that I should stop drinking. And she was like, do it. Just do mm. it. I really think that that could be the proudest thing you do in your whole yeah. life. Oh, wow. So yeah, I made that decision and it was, it was three days later, I was at another meeting and someone was talking about their higher power and mm-hmm. I didn't know what their higher power was. I think it was like nature or trees or wind or something. It wasn't like what, <laughs> what is the higher power? Yeah. yeah, it was. Um, but what he said was you need a higher power and it can't be you. That was all he said, right? Two things, work out what your higher power is and you're not the higher power. And I thought, okay. I'm going to go back to church because that's what I remember from a child. And if that doesn't work, then I'll do what everyone else does. And I'll just take up yoga. Right. And I'm <laughs> well, thank God you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went into a church and I just, I said to the vicar there, like, will you pray for me? I'm five days clean and sober from drug and alcohol addiction. And he was amazing. And he brought over a couple, wow. the three of them prayed for me and the woman from that couple invited me to a women's ministry group that met every Tuesday night and they just became mm-hmm. like my team you know my family Very and the community was so special yeah and and like I remember that first session that I turned up there and they were like okay open your bibles and I was like oh I don't have a bible and the vicar's wife was like <laughs> She apologized to me so many times. She was like, I don't know why my husband didn't give you a Bible on Sunday. I'm going to get you a Bible right now. You know, here's your Bible. <laughs> oh, bless her. They were so kind. And they just walked with me and they were really gentle as mm. I picked mm. things that I thought I knew about faith. And they mm. um, and they were really kind. They really discipled me in learning mm. 
it's all about you know okay so how did your faith help you along this journey this higher power <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 so once I decided I was going all in with the Jesus as the yes power, <laughs> um I think initially I didn't know enough about God or Jesus and I didn't know how to listen or how to speak or anything like that so I was literally running off of the love of that community like right. I because I you know I I did the praying thing but mm-hmm. I, I was so new and I felt scared and I you know and I didn't really understand it all and I wasn't quite sure about this Jesus guy anyway and the Holy Spirit freaked me out so mm-hmm. you're like, that is that in like what what's that gonna do am I gonna fall over laughing you know you don't really know what you're expecting from these things yeah that's funny that's just just so confused about everything (laughs) you know and I felt quite comfortable with the idea of God so I prayed to God to God the Father okay God the Father and that kind of felt like a concept I could understand Mm -hmm. Um, yeah it was um because I didn't get it and I didn't feel worthy of, and I didn't understand the magnitude of that love. Mm. All I could do was see it reflected from those women. And actually mm. like, that was so important to me as I grew in faith. Like mm. the way that I just assumed that, that at some point they would stop showing up for me. At some point they would realize how bad I was or what mm. I what I'd thought mm. or what I'd said mm. and be like yeah I think we should you know stay away from her mm. they were but that so, point never came it never came I'm still waiting I'm still waiting for them uh. to turn around and be like no Lauren stop calling <laughs> <laughs> but like they like you're growing up now okay deal with your own crap <laughs> that's it they just consistently showed up in a way that I never expected anyone to show up for me mm. and slowly through that you know they they taught me about god they taught me about how to read the bible they told me like look just start with matthew and read the gospels because that's where jesus is and the rest is super complicated and confusing and you will read it and we'll read it with you but for now we just need you to know jesus so read those and let's talk about that you know, mm-hmm. and that was amazing. And they talked about the fruits of the spirit and mm-hmm. they, and, you know, all of that stuff felt really, really new to me, but it was, mm-hmm. it was accessible. It was understandable. Mm-hmm. They, that, you know, and actually what really helped me as well is that I'd given up drinking, I'd given up um, taking drugs. I still smoked for mm-hmm. a year and a half after I joined that church and not mm-hmm. once did they say, oh, you're a Christian, you can't smoke now. Mm-hmm. They knew. I needed a gentle start. And if they're taking, mm. if they're gone, you can't do this, you can't do that, taking away all of these yeah. bad habits. Mm. Actually, like, I just, I needed to that get- put a barrier. Yeah. And and that was it. And it was, a, and I did stop smoking. I stopped smoking a year and a half later. Wow. Um, when it, when that, when I started to feel challenged by mm. God on it. Mm. But mm. there was like bigger fish to fry, you know? I needed to- yeah. Comfortable. Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's so that's so encouraging and so powerful on so many levels that you don't even understand. You know, just through that, you know, the power of fellowship, mm. the power of community, mm. the power of your tribe, the mm. power of 
being there for somebody um, because God wants you to be, not because you can, because I'm sure those women also had challenges they were going through in their lives. They also had problems that they were facing in their lives, yet they chose to be Mm -hmm. there for you, regardless of what they were going on in their lives, because that's what Christ would like them to do. Mm. Um, And just the power of recognizing a baby Christian Mm. and treating that baby Christian like a baby. Yeah. Yeah. If you're exactly. Yeah. Like if you have a baby you're teaching to walk and the baby stumbles a few times, a great many times, to be honest, not a few times, you don't withdraw your effort or support from that baby. No matter how many times that baby, that toddler falls, you pick the toddler up and you go, come on, let's try again. And you try again day after day, time after time. And it's just so wonderful that you were able to find that. And I would encourage anybody that is exactly. listening to this, um, Find a support group, even better if it's a Jesus-centered, God-centered, gospel-centered support group, even better because yes. there is a higher purpose for your life here on earth. Um, but if you don't believe in Jesus and you perhaps think you're not quite there yet, uh-huh. just find a support group regardless. Mm-hmm. Find value in who you are without mm-hmm. the substance um, without your poison of choice, quote and unquote, um, find your value of who you are outside of that. And then you can start to unpick perhaps at a later time, should you wish to, the deeper meaning of life and why you're here mm-hmm. um, and who made you and who made the world around you and who's given you breath in your lungs and who's made the wonderful trees that you can enjoy or just the things that you perhaps take for granted. Um, you can then start to explore that. But you can't explore that and appreciate that whilst you're still under the influence. Um, So, you know, we'd really appreciate um, and really encourage people to seek help. Um, Lauren's website. Lauren, what's your website? I've put it in the group. Brilliant. You are four steps ahead of me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there is. There's a page on there um, about recovery, which has got links and there's um links to all different types of addictions and there's mm-hmm. a, a few in there as well which are programs run by christians where they incorporate the bible but mm-hmm. as you said if if that's mm-hmm. the space that someone's at right now then there's mm-hmm. there's others as well which aren't aren't so specific about yeah but and yeah. yeah you know by all means you know it's i think this is obviously Lauren's experience it's substance and um, but i know that you know for example in the group we have um, a few women who um, are suffering with porn addiction. And again, mm-hmm. any kind of addiction That's is an addiction. Thing. It's, you know, get help. The first step is acknowledging, like Lauren said, that you've got a problem and you need help. Um, and if you're somebody who has a relative or friend who is perhaps addicted to a substance or something, then just love them. Mm-hmm. Love them regardless. Because mm-hmm. honestly, especially the love of God, um, and uh, like Lauren, Lauren put this beautifully, she could see God's love reflected through those women that helped her. Um, and when people can see God's love reflected towards you, you point to God. That points them to your higher power <laughs> from whence your energy comes from, from whence your love comes from, you know, your God who fills up your cup so you can then pour out into other people. 
Um, so that's really encouraging. But Lauren, there's another side to your ministry, which you kind of keep on the download, which I kind of like, I want to hear this. This is your new book that's out. <laughs> Yes, I have a book. I feel like I try not to keep it on the download, but no, I do speak more about the addiction than I do. No, 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 because no, no, no. we are all for that in here. <laughs> a few episodes ago, we had a talk about being single. We had a, uh, yeah, about being single in the church. Lauren's just written a book about what it's like to be single in the church. Lauren, plug your book right now. I am interested, Lauren. <laughs> Definitely interested. <laughs> It's called Notes on Love, Being Single and Dating in a Marriage-Obsessed Church. Wow, yeah. I'm already interested. I know, <laughs> but I do think, I think a lot of women in particular uh-huh. feel like maybe they're treated like second-class citizens in the church if they're not married. Uh-huh. And they feel yeah. like they're waiting for someone to choose them for marriage so that they can like level up and they can uh-huh. be the more senior members of the church and actually I found I found that I find that really hard because I you know Jesus was single John the Baptist was single Paul was single (laughs) all right all right all right they're like minor people in the Bible we're literally talking about the son of God who was fully man all right like that yeah that's so funny because yeah yeah, didn't need to be married to be fully man. So actually, yeah. And I do think marriage is to be celebrated, to be championed, to be supported. And those who want to get married, you know, I, I totally think getting out there and dating, and we've got all these amazing sort of Christian dating apps and things that we can use. Yeah. Great. But actually, for those who are single, whether because they've chosen to be or because they, are hoping that marriage will come down the line they need to feel that they are fully valued right now you know mm. that that's not dependent on their relationship status also, they are. stop glorifying marriage in such a way <laughs> I, i'm not married Ouch. and i don't know i don't Ouch. know how many of you three wait how many of you three are married all three no no, no i'm not the other two are Okay, okay. But anyone, there you go. Look, Giselle can tell you it's it's really hard, you know. And actually, like when you're single, there are challenges and there are perks. Mm. But when you're married, there are challenges and there are perks, and you're just swapping, you know, challenges and I like my being able to sleep in on a Saturday morning perk, right? Because sometimes I'll send Sidonia a text at about, I've just woken up at 11 o'clock. Can you imagine? So you're like, I've been up since six. But then she's got the perk, right, of a house full of noisy kids. Sidonia's kids are extremely interesting, right? So she's got that. You know, she's got a lovely husband to chill with. Yeah. So well. that's first, you know. She doesn't get to chill till 11 a.m. No. Well, she doesn't get to chill. I don't get to do that kind of chilling. I get, you know, I get sleep bags. Yes. So you see, she gets massages no. and things. I have to pay for those. Okay. So, yeah. I bet, I bet the person you pay gives way better massages than us. <laughs> I mean, he might actually be really really good but no I mean totally yeah. like 
that's the thing you know you you don't you have to pay for massages but you get the lions you know yeah you get someone else to travel with I always found like find traveling particularly if you've got to get up early for a flight or something do that on your own when it's still dark outside can feel quite sad but then I said that to my sister and she was like are you mad I've got a husband and three kids you know how long it takes that that but is you know fun. <laughs> but you see i like what you're saying but it's good because you know you let's say you have your sister right who gives you the reality and i'm very fortunate in that sense that my marriage friends tell me the reality of marriage right mm-hmm. like sidonia and i have very honest conversations about this even before i was a believer i have mm-hmm. other friends that i went to school with who are married and you're right they give you the download as it is they'll tell you there are highs but there are days when I remember one of my friends was like there are days when I literally asked myself like what was I thinking <laughs> right so they give you that balanced view of marriage there are times that it's me who's trying to calm my married friends down I'm like no girl you know like I turn into a counselor right so I'm saying look what you've got is really good <laughs> you know you need to stay there because if you think you're just gonna fling this guy and it's not that easy but I think what is good is that people need to you made a statement it's true yes it's a good thing we want it for continuity of generations and all that but let's have reasonable discussions realistic discussions tell me what's good about marriage tell me what the challenges are rather than creating this two-tier system which inside and outside the church is an issue yeah especially like you said the pressure for whatever reason perhaps because of the biological clock but the pressure seems to be more on women (laughs) Mm. Men. I think men don't really feel it to their in their forties. Yeah, mm. yeah. Also, you know, in the church in the UK, there's I hate to say this, but there's two single women for every one single man. Mm. So we do need to be realistic about that. If we want believers to date believers, then actually, what we yeah. are, so how do you? Some people won't mm. end up getting married. You know, mm. and that's and yeah. That's, and who's yeah. gonna who's gonna show the unbelieving men out there? The love of Christ, apart from these sisters. <laughs> well, you, you know what's so funny? Because that, that's, that's, that's um, <laughs> that an American pastor who said, he said, evangelistic dating. <laughs> turn up, turn up to your birthday with a Bible in hand. <laughs> evangelistic dating. You know, that's a really good thing. And I think it's worth, Lauren, it would be lovely to have you back for this. Maybe oh, as part two of your book. Oh, to definitely. do, to be unequally yoked, right? Because there are times when, you know, I know people who agree that, okay, you want a believer, right? And everything. But what if you met somebody, like you said, Sidoni, maybe he's not a believer, but he's an upright guy, you know, very upstanding, nice, everything. Do you go with that guy, right? And mm. maybe quote and unquote, hoping that somehow mm. you, he will, because there are, there are men who maybe they don't even believe in God, but they will never stand in your way. Mm. Yeah. If you want to do your ministry they are cool with it yeah. they will really mm. sometimes they'll actually turn and say hey are you not supposed to be going to church and then they'll turn back and sleep you know mm. so do you go with that guy right or do you stick it with the believer mm. who might not be I've got a lot of thoughts about this so this is something people ask me about a lot right I think there's no one size fits all because you can be with a believer and still be unequally yoked Mm. yes that's it's you know it's not like just because you're with a believer that I mean we your know, problems are 
and perfect. They will have their things that you have to help them carry, and you'll have your things that that they'll have to help you carry, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, though, I think it's a specific type of non-believer who could mm. date because, mm-hmm. like, a lot of people who aren't Christian do not want to date Christian women. No, they'll, yeah. There'll be differences in the way that we do intimacy that they mm-hmm. don't like. Mm-hmm. Also, what if you say, oh, I'm going to give 10% of our household income. <laughs> <laughs> They're not Christian. It's a special type of man who's who's willing to do that. No, you're so They're right. Be like, you're uh, in a cult. Oh my, especially in this age. Ah, oh man, no. Like, men with these like, energy bills, you want to give that to your church? <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? It's like, babe, trust no. me, if you give this now, we'll get it back a hundredfold by the end of the year. <laughs> well, if, if, you can, if you can make a business case for it, you'll be cool with it. But you know what? It's true. And even like the controversy with, say, the children, for example, because there are some people who will just be like, no, just let the children choose whatever, right? But we know that as a believer, you actually want to, it's not like you want to force your faith on them, but you want to steer them in that direction. But some people, especially in this age of, oh, let people just choose. So yeah, Yeah. it it really takes, it takes a lot. You'd want to be sure that 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 person was Mm championing you mm-hmm. all of your relationships so that's mm-hmm. in your relationship with yourself in your mm-hmm. romantic relationship with him your relationship with your family your relationship with your friends your relationship with your church community and your relationship with god first and foremost mm-hmm. yes he has mm-hmm. to he, yeah. absolutely you have to establish Someone that it's me you yeah. can't take my you can't take our kids to church there'd be yeah. no kids there'd be no oh no we will have be no kids <laughs> we, will ha- we will have issues because i remember it's funny even before i was a believer i used to say you know what i could marry somebody of any faith absolutely i could even marry an atheist on the condition that he doesn't mock my faith even though i did not necessarily consider myself a christian i was a believer in god and I thought, you will not make fun of my belief in God. I'm not having it. And even though I don't particularly believe in church, my theory was I would still expose my kids to religion because I want them to make that genuine choice themselves. But it takes somebody who is as principled, right, to say that maybe just on the basis of principle, I'm a democratic father. I don't want to force my atheism or whatever on my children. I want them to find out about God if they because there are some atheist parents like that if you want to take their children to church they have no problems because mm-hmm. they think that you know what my children's brains are developed enough they'll get to a point where they'll think this God thing is too unreasonable I'll forget it but guess what those ones kids end up being pastors mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll bring yeah, their whole no. family it's so, definitely yeah. interesting yeah it might be something we definitely get Lauren back yeah it would be very to interesting have, to have that conversation but you know it's been I've been blessed by Lauren's story I mean Giselle so how much. have you have you felt just listening to Lauren? You've been uncharacteristically quiet. <laughs> I'm just love, love, love listening to you all. I, I really am. Um, and I think I've, I've got a sore throat with all the talking I've been doing oh, right, for the past okay. three days. Yeah. But um, yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly about the marriage thing that you on marriage number three. And um, first one I left, second one got fed up with me and died. Divorce with an Easter, but he decided to die. And now I'm on number three. Um, my first marriage, I didn't get married till I was 29. Wow. And, and everybody's That's young these days, Dee. Young these days. It probably is, but, but when I got married, what was that? was back in the early 80s, can't remember what year, but early 80s. 
uh, I was considered a spinster. I was going to be left on the shelf, um, which might have been okay. Never had any children, unfortunately, to any of my marriages. But um, I don't like it the way churches and society, it's the stigma, of, especially with a woman, that if you're not married, there's something wrong with you. And mm. it's not it's, it's, it's not the mm. case. It's or if it's you're married and don't have children, then there's something wrong with you. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. different. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, it's so double-sided. It really irks me. Yeah. Because, it's, you know, it's like yeah. Sharon said in the group earlier, Mm. She she divorced uh, from her husband many years ago, and she says, "You, I'm fine being divorced. I'm not wanting another husband partner at all ever." She's very happy the way she is, mm -hmm. and I admire Sharon. I really do. She brought up two children all by herself, and okay. yeah, and, uh, and that's really the thing, you know. We need the church. We need our church family around mm -hmm. us, and um, mm -hmm. especially our single brothers and sisters, sisters more than brothers, because. By number, they probably are just more than more women than yeah. men. Exactly. But, you know, I, I really do feel like the church has got to do more to incorporate single. Um, yeah, by all means, you know, we need to champion marriage, especially in an age of society that dilutes the meaning of marriage and so the much. definition of marriage. We need to yeah. definitely champion the gospel marriage mm -hmm. or biblical marriage. However, we also need to encourage you say encourage people who are single or married mm -hmm. and childless um both men and women mm -hmm. to find their value not in their marital status but in what christ did for them on the cross mm -hmm. yes it's your your first a child of god before you are a mum. your first a child of god before you're a wife or a husband your first a child of god before you're any other other um it, you know within the body of christ and mm -hmm. and you know like peter says in his letters we all one body and each part has its own uses. You know, the eye cannot say to the, to the legs, I don't need you because we all need each other. Um, yes. So by not tapping into the gifts and resources of our single um, and childless brethren, we're missing out on a huge talent pool there. And we're not only, yeah. not only are we not serving them, we're not letting them serve us. Mm. So we're losing out on both ends. Um, but no, thank you, Lauren. It's been an absolutely wonderful conversation. I have <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been lovely, 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 lovely getting to know you and hear your story. Um, yes. We would love to have you back on. Oh, um, yes, you must come back. Yes. Um, you fitted in very nicely with the madness that is. Yes. <laughs> yes. You can be the fourth podcast. You should come back out here and enjoy your company. Yeah, can, we get your, can we get your book, Lauren? I would love to read that book. I think her book is available at Amazon. Um, Eden, I saw it on. Um, yes, Eden as well. Yeah. Eden as well. Oh, yeah. I think you can also get it from Waterstones. Yes. Oh, nice. Yeah, so she's like, you know, she's a big, big G publisher out there. You know, she's, she's a big shot. She's out there. <laughs> yeah, she's a big shot. No, I'll definitely look for it. It'll be interesting to read it. I need to take that book to African churches. She's a new laughing. Okay. She knows why. <laughs> for obvious reasons. <laughs> for obvious reasons. <laughs> oh, well, should we just you say I really appreciate that. Yeah. You just spread it around everywhere you go. That'd be great. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Let's just say a quick prayer as we, um, yeah, as we bow our heads out. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Lauren. Thank you mm. for 
seeing her through what was undoubtedly dark days of her life. Thank mm. you for seeing her through her wilderness and for being with her and, and guiding her. And even though she abandoned you, you never really left her side. Thank you for still being there, a steadfast anchor. When she did decide to return to you, you were waiting for her with open arms. Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father, we are so reassured because we know this is the kind of love that you have for every single one of us, mm -hmm. Lord. Um, help those that are in a similar position as to where um, Lauren was a few years ago to remember that love, to remember that loving Father who is still there waiting for them with open arms. Um, and those who perhaps haven't even known him before, Help them, Lord, to remember John 3.16 at this. You so loved the world, Lord, that you came and you gave your only son, that whosoever believes in you, Lord, shall not die, but have eternal life. Lord, that is a promise for whosoever believes in you. Not a select few, not an elite, not a bunch of, you know, um, privileged people, but whosoever. Help us, Lord, to make that choice. Uh, let us be whosoever. Let us be in the counted. Um, we just want to thank you for allowing Lauren and enabling Lauren to come here today and share her testimony and her story with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. We ask, Lord, that you would be with her all the days of her life. Please guide her um, in all her um, uh, works that she's doing, all her endeavours. Be with her, Lord. Bless the work of her hands. Lord, thank you for Giselle. Thank you for Ngum. Thank you for keeping them hale and hearty. Thank you for the crusade that Giselle has done this week. Thank you, Lord, because you healed her just in time to be able to take her all over Scotland and the north of England. Thank you, Lord, for the lives that were changed, for the lives that were given um, to you um, for salvation. We ask, Lord, that you would be with these new Christians, that you would hold their hands as they um, seek to explore and know you further. Heavenly Father, we thank you for every single provision that you've given us this week. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the gift of life. Pray, Lord, that you keep us all safe until next week. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you very much, Denise. Good you. night. Good night, everyone on Zoom. Good night. Uh, Good night. If anybody watching this in playback, you can get in touch with us all on ChristianWomanInTheUK.org or PearlsOfGraceMinistriesUK.com. Uh, if anybody's like Lauren, struggling with alcohol and drugs, we're here to help. We're here mm -hmm. to listen to you. Any type of addiction. Any. Good night, people, and a layback. <laughs>